0: I'm a little confused, and one of the reasons I'm a little confused, we've come to this place in Genesis where, where, uh, where the Torah portion is very close to where we are uh, in the messages, but not exactly the same place. So, uh, you know, we uh, talked, uh, the, the Torah portion uh, today is that, you know, Joseph is reunited with his family, uh, and so on. And we're going to talk all about that in the, in the, uh, in the Torah study. I will share one of my favorite verses. Uh, I'm going to have to paraphrase it. I don't have time to turn to it. But, uh, but we read it this morning. When uh, Pharaoh says, how old are you to Jacob? Jacob tells him how old he is. But then he says, he, I'd say, he's like one of my relatives, right? He says, my life has been such a, a tumult and and far and few happy moments in my life. Ay, 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 you know? I'm thinking, I know this guy. I know this guy. So anyway, I love that, that little verse there. <laughs> but uh, there's, a, there's a lot of good things in all of that for us to learn from. Anyway, so where we're at is just before that, okay? So I hope that you don't get too confused. So we're, we're just before that. What we're going to look at today, we're actually going to look at a couple of chapters because it's really one story, and that is that um, the last time uh, when we were uh, in Genesis, and it's been a few weeks, uh, uh, Joseph is languishing in a prison. And of course, we know a lot more than he does, right? We know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's languishing in this prison, he's there for a few years at least, because after he's let down by the baker and the cupbearer, he's still there another couple of years waiting for something to happen. And now he's 30 years old. He's 30 years old. He was 17 when he left uh, home, right? Uh, and now he's 30. 13 years have passed, right? Uh, and so now uh, the... Uh, The uh, cupbearer is going to remember Joseph, and the reason that he remembers Joseph is because Pharaoh has a dream uh, that he cannot cannot interpret, and none of his magicians, no one in his court can interpret the dream. And so the cupbearer says, I remember this guy. Uh, you know, back when I was, remember when I was, remember when I offended you and I was in prison, right? Uh, That now um, uh, he he remembers uh, 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 Joseph, right? All right. So if you go uh, to chapter 41, kind of in the middle, in verse 10, Pharaoh was furious with his servants and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain. This is what the cupbearer is saying to him, reminding him. The captain of the bodyguard, both me and the cup and the chief baker. And we had a dream on the same night, he and I. Each of us dreamed uh, according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard. And we related them to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came about just as he interpreted for us. So it happened, he restored me in my office, and he, uh, but he hanged him. In other words, what he said happened, okay? So then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself, changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I have, and I have heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me, God, who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Now, so in this chapter, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but basically Pharaoh has, Pharaoh has two dreams. And you know what's kind of interesting? Just um, the symmetry of the whole thing is kind of interesting. There's always two dreams. Do you ever notice that? Two dreams. Uh, Joseph had two dreams. It was a dream of the cupbearer and a dream of the baker. Pharaoh has two dreams. Kind of kind of Interesting. And uh, the issue of two dreams kind of comes up uh, in this uh, passage. Joseph's actually going to explain why there's two dreams, okay? Uh, But what we want to notice here, basically, if you've read it, and I encourage you to read it, he has two dreams, uh, and they're about cows and they're about corn, right? Uh, And they depict uh, uh, seven uh, ugly cows uh, eating uh, seven healthy cows, and uh, really, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, unedible years of corn, eating good years of corn. And Joseph is able to interpret this and say there's going to be uh, seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine, okay? But what's interesting is how Joseph uh, uh, talks about God in this chapter. So uh, we saw already in verse... uh, I, I, uh, in verse uh, 16, it is not in me God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So right from the get-go, Joseph knows that it's not about him. He knows it's not about him. Pharaoh says, I've heard, I've heard you can interpret dreams. Oh, isn't human nature just such? I don't know if I could have withstood that. Human nature is such that we might say, yes, with the help of God, uh, you know, I can interpret dreams. You, you know, uh, but Joseph clearly uh, says, no, 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 it's not me. He, he pulls the, it's not about me, it's about God, <laughs> okay? Uh, it's not about him, it's about God. Then you see in verse 25, now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told Pharaoh what he is about to do. So he hears, you know, the two dreams, as the two dreams are basically saying the same thing. But he says, I, God has told Pharaoh what he is about to do. Then in verse 28, it is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Joseph is reiterating this over and over again. God is the one who is at work. And I would say this is written in such a way that we would get, that when we read this as well. Then in verse uh, 32, now as for, now here's the thing about the two dreams. This comes up in the text. Now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh, twice, it means that the matter is determined by God and God will quickly bring it about. So that's kind of interesting when you think about Joseph's dreams. Now the quickly part, you know, for Joseph, I don't know. But uh, clearly, uh, Joseph. It tells us Joseph understood that what God had promised in his earlier dreams—there was two of them, remember—that God was going to bring it to pass. Joseph understood this about dreams and interpreting them, and so that's what he tells. Uh, that's what he tells uh, Pharaoh. God will quick quickly bring it uh, to uh, pass. But that's not all. There's something else that happens in this chapter. Uh, and uh, there are many lessons to learn, uh, uh, m- many lessons to learn from this. And that is in verse 45. Then Pharaoh named Joseph, Zephaneth Panea, and he gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of An or On, for his wife. and Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. okay? Then if you go down, to verse fifty-one, fifty 50 and 51. Now before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. And Joseph named the first one Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's uh, household. And he named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. I just wanted to point out there that uh, first of all, you talk about coloring outside the box. Uh, Joseph is married to an Egyptian daughter of a pagan priest. Okay, uh, and he has two sons. And when he names the sons, he is again invoking uh, the name of God. You know, uh, God. Uh, uh, you know, God has not forgotten me in all my years of trouble right? Uh, God has made me fruitful uh, in, in the affliction. Uh, and then if you go into the next chapter, when he sees his brothers, but they don't recognize him, but he recognizes them, he says something very interesting in verse 18. Now, Joseph said to them on the third day, do this and live for I fear God. So all this tell- when you add all this up, it tells us something about Joseph. You know, God. he knew that God was present, uh, God was involved, God was uh, guiding uh, uh, guiding him all this way. And of course, you know what, what happens uh, in, this, uh, in this story, that Joseph tells, Joseph does not only, uh, the wisdom that he has is not only in interpreting the dreams, right? But God has given him something else. He knows what to do. Not only interpreting the dreams. He doesn't just say, well, Pharaoh, here's your lot. Uh, there's going to be seven years of uh, plenty followed by seven years of famine and God has told me. Uh, God is with me. Uh, God is telling you what it is. And I'll say uh, from uh, another land in a faraway place, adios. Right? Uh, that is not what happens. Because what we see here is uh, he tells him what to do. He, he interprets the dreams. Then look back now in chapter 41, right after he says that because the dream happened twice, it's really going to happen. It's going to happen big time, Pharaoh. He says this in verse 33. Then this is not in the dream. Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather in all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it and let the food become as a reserve for the land for seven years of famine, which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish during the famine. Wow. Where'd that come from? That was not in the dream. That was, the, you know, this is wisdom from God that God gave to Joseph. A very practical wisdom and discernment about what to do. What to do. Okay? Now, how does Pharaoh understand this? Like, hey, okay, Joseph, look what he says. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh says to the servants, he doesn't say, Can we find a real smart guy who can take care of this? No, he says, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God, he really, you know, it's interesting. He just says God. I would assume what he means. Your God, you know, God has informed you of all this. There is no one so discerning and as wise as you. You shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage only to the throne. I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in in garments of fine linen and put the golden necklace around his uh, neck. And he had him ride in his second chariot and they proclaimed uh, before him, bow the knee and he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover Pharaoh said to Joseph, though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission no one shall raise his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. And then he talks about giving him the wife and then they have the and he has the the, uh, the children. And so we see that uh, Joseph is a godly man. Everything that Joseph does uh, is uh, he attributes all of it uh, uh, to God. And we see now what happens uh, uh, to to Joseph. There's a couple of things uh, that we want to uh, observe here. uh, I'll say one is, it's interesting that God gives him this practical wisdom. There's a great lesson in that, okay? Some people have it all. Some people have just real discernment. Uh, you know, a real sense of spirituality. No, I don't, no, that's not what I mean. Not a real sense of spirituality. People are shepherds. I'll just say it like that. People are, uh, people are shepherds. People are, uh, you know, teach the scriptures. Uh, people are, um, uh, pray over people, visit people, do, do those kinds of things. Then you also have people uh, who uh, have the vision. You know what I mean? People who uh, have the vision. And say, This is where we want to go. Okay. Then you have uh, people that say, I know how to get there. Right. Okay. Now it seems that in Joseph, we have it all. In Joseph, you have it all. Joseph is able to, to discern. It's very, uh, very interesting. He's able to discern good and evil. He's able to discern what's right and what's wrong. He's able to discern, uh, you know, what's going to happen. And as a result, he's given authority. You know, it's very interesting when you look at it that way, because here at the, toward the end of sheet, you have this man who's given authority, who kind of saves the day, uh, you know, from the famine. He's, wise, he's a wise man. Uh, he's a good steward of everything that God has given him. All the things that the first man was supposed to be and do. Isn't that kind of interesting? Kind of interesting that you see that, uh, you know, uh, Adam uh, and Eve uh, were given all kinds of stewardship responsibilities and oversight and, and uh, spiritual discernment, right? But they, uh, they kind of became a train wreck along the way, right? And, and it didn't quite work out. But here at the end of Genesis, we kind of see uh, a person uh, who uh, is given this great authority. So there's a couple of things to say. One is, you know, uh, not everybody is a Joseph. In fact, I don't, know, I, I don't know too many people like Joseph, right? That just seem to have it all together. Uh, he doesn't seem to uh, misstep uh, at all. Uh, he's a spiritual man. He, uh, he has vision, and he knows how to accomplish it, right? But, uh, but my observation along the way of life is is that for most of us, we need each other in order to accomplish all these things. That, that we need each other, that nobody has uh, has, has at all. Some people have visions, some people can teach, some people can uh, you know, discern, thing in pe- discern things in people's lives, uh, I, and some people can say, this is how we're going to get there. And all of them are absolutely necessary, right? And so you know what's a wonderful thing here, uh, I-, I will just say, in our leadership, art elders, shamashim, ministry heads, all that. We have all of those kinds of people. Uh, But when you add it all up, you end up with kind of like a Joseph. You know, when when you add it all up, Uh, um, of being able to oversee, be able to know how to get there, be able to have the vision, be able to teach the scripture, be able to explain it, be able to speak in people's lives, be able to have discernment. And that's a wonderful thing, you know? So when we talk about like people joining the congregation, and yes, it's great because uh, everybody has gifts and talents in varieties of ways. And that's when, we, when we're all working according to the proper working of each individual part, as it says in Ephesians, uh, that we're able to really uh, move forward. So Joseph has all, all this going, has all of this uh, going, uh, going for him. Uh, and, uh, and so it is, uh, it is something that, of course, uh, God, uh, God is doing. God is involved in every single aspect of their lives. But now I want to say something else real quick. And that is that uh, what's going to happen now is, okay, he's put in this great position, and the famine comes, and the brothers, now the brothers come into play okay? That's Joseph. God is with him along the way. Joseph has all these gifts and talents. And whether we're talking about administrative, financial kinds of things, whether we're talking about interpreting dreams, whether we're talking about morality, uh, all of it, uh, Joseph uh, has it all. Now the brothers. Uh, I just want to say a couple of things about the brothers. So you know the rest of the story. They come, right? Joseph recognizes them. That's what's in chapter 42 and 43. Uh, They come, the brothers uh, uh, come. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. He concocts a plan. And we may wonder, what is this plan about? And why does he stretch it out, right? He says uh, to them, first he accused them of being spies, right? Uh, And he puts them in in a jail for three days. And then he lets them out. And that's when he says, don't worry, I fear God. And this is what I want you to do. It's interesting. He says, I fear God to, to them. And they still don't, they don't get it. What's this guy doing in G- Egypt, fearing God, right? Uh, and so he says, I want you to leave one of your brothers, and I want you to go back home, and I want you to bring your youngest brother, right? Why? Because he wants Benjamin. He wants his father. He wants everybody. But first, he wants Benjamin, his, his, his full brother, his only full brother, remember, right? Their mother was Rachel, and only Joseph and Benjamin are the brothers. So he wants Benjamin. So uh, uh, they, leave, uh, they leave Simeon there. They go. And then uh, Joseph, you know, he plays a trick on them, right? He puts their money in the bags, right? It's going to look like they stole the money. It's going to look bad for them, right? Okay. They go home, and they have to convince Jacob to let them take Benjamin, right? Whoa. One of my sons is already dead. Uh, now you want to uh, take the other one? No. Now Judah and Reuben, interesting, interesting, Re- Judah and Reuben speak up. The same two brothers that spoke up when they were going to get rid of Joseph, right? Uh, Reuben says, take my sons and do with, do with them what you want. And basically Jacob just discounts him. He just basically, he doesn't even answer the question. Judah says, trust me, my sons, you know, you can do whatever you want with my sons and I will... I, my life, I, uh, you know, I will give my life for, for Benjamin to, to ensure uh, his uh, well-being. And now, dad, we're wasting time because we could have been back and forth already. You know, that's basically what it says. So basically Jacob gives up, says, whatever, I'll die, whatever, go ahead. All right. And so uh, they take uh, Benjamin, right? Okay. Uh, and, uh, and now, uh, we see, okay, now Joseph, he can't believe his eyes. He sees his brother, right? And they have this big meal. They have this big festive meal, right? And, and then, uh, uh, now they say, go, go home, bring your father. Now what Joseph does is he tells his servant, take my uh, cup and put it in Benjamin's bag, Right? And so they put the cup in Benjamin's bag. They go a little ways. And then uh, they, they, uh, the servants of uh, Joseph catch up to him and uh, say, uh, who has the cup, right? And now uh, they're saying, we don't have it. We didn't do anything. They open up all the bags. Lo and behold, it's in Benjamin's bag. Now they have to go back. And now uh, 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 Joseph says, okay, Benjamin is staying here. All right, go. And Judah says, no, wait a minute. Let me tell you about my father, okay? I mean, this is going to kill him. This will kill him. Uh, please, you know, uh, uh, don't, don't, don't do this, all right? And now Joseph can't take it any longer. He, can't, he, he just can't take it any longer. Uh, and he ultimately reveals himself to his brothers. Now, okay, so that's the basic story. But what's interesting is what the brother, the brother's reactions to all this. I just want to read a couple of different verses in chapter 42. In chapter 42, in the midst of all this, in verse 21, okay, now after, uh, you know, he tells them they're spies and they're in jail for a few days and say, leave your brother, now go home, it says this in verse 19. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined in your prison. But as for the rest of you, go carry grain for the famine to your household and bring your youngest brother to me, so your words may be verified and you will not die. And thus they did. Then they said to one another, truly we are guilty concerning our brother, because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us. Yet we would not listen. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered saying, didn't I tell you? Do not sin against the boy and, uh, would, and you would not listen. Now comes the reckoning for his blood. This is what they're thinking. This is, this is 13 years later. They're walking around with this guilt of this is what we did and now we're going to get it. You know, now we're going to get it. Now, if you go over to verse uh, 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 28, Okay. Uh, now they see the money, the money in the sacks, as we said. Then he said to his brothers, my money has been returned and behold, it is even in my sack. And their hearts sank and they turned trembling to one another saying, what is this that God has done to us? They are, uh, they're just ready for the other shoe to drop. They know what they've done and, uh, and they're really feeling guilty uh, and uh, and responsible, right? Now, if you go down a little farther in the chapter, uh, in verse thirty six to thirty eight, now they come back to they come back to uh, uh, Jacob and they explain all this. And their father Jacob said to them, "You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. Oh, and Simeon is no more. And you would take Benjamin. All these things are against me." Now, again, here's what Reuben speaks up. Reuben, who is full of guilt. You may put my two sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my care and I will return to you. And then, but Jacob said, my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he alone is left. If harm should befall uh, him on the journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol, uh, Sheol in, uh, in sorrow. Okay, and so, what we see here, and we see it again, I won't take the time, but we see it again uh, when uh, 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 Judah pleads with Joseph, you know, when, when Joseph wants to hang on uh, to, uh, to Benjamin, okay? Uh, what we see is, and we might ask ourselves, why is it, why is Joseph doing this? What is with this, with the, ba- with the money in the bags, and, you know, the cup in the bags? And, and why do we read all this? Why is this all drawn out for us? Well, may I suggest to us that what is happening is that we are able to see, it's written in such a way that we are able to see that God's hand, yes, is on Joseph, but God's hand is also on the brother's that through the providence of God, through the human decision-making that's taking place, God has his hand on these brothers, and uh, God remembers what happened, and that they are indeed guilty. But what we're going to see uh, here is that when they return, and, uh, and uh, you know, they, uh, they think that their heads are going to be handed to them, uh, you know, uh, on a uh, on, on a plate that uh, uh, that they are going to be shown uh, great uh, great uh, compassion. Okay, uh, and that is indeed what they're going to uh, what they're going to find. You see that here, uh, frankly, at the end of uh, chapter forty three. Okay, so they return with Benjamin. Okay. Uh, And uh, we see here that the steward speaks to them. Here, they're they're explaining what happened, okay? So we, in verse 22, So we also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. They're afraid that that they're going to, you know, die or something. And he said, Be at ease and do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet, and he gave them their donkeys fodder. fodder. And he prepared the the present for Joseph's coming at noon. And they heard uh, that they were to eat a meal there. Uh, and, uh, And then we read, When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present which was in their hand and bowed to the ground before him, and he he asked them about their welfare. And he said, Is your old father well of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed down in homage, very much like what Joseph's dream was at the very beginning. And he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, uh, he said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke by me? And he said, may God be gracious to you, my son. And God hurried out for he was deeply stirred over his brother and he sought a place to weep and he entered his chamber and wept there. And he washed his face, came out and controlled himself and said, serve a meal. So they served him, so they served him by himself and then, and then by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate with them by themselves because the Egyptians wouldn't eat with the Hebrews. Okay. Uh, and then, so the point being, we don't need to finish reading the whole chapter, the point being is that they are shown great compassion, that they are guilty, they are guilty, uh, and they're feeling the guilt and the weight of the guilt, and God is working in their lives, and he's not done yet, and he's not done yet. But what we see here uh, is God is at work, and he's at work in, uh, you know, uh, in, uh, in all of our lives, uh, we might uh, uh, look at the circumstances of our life and see ourselves kind of like Joseph, you know, and, and so we need to be reminded that God is at work in all of our lives, in every, in every which way, shape, and form. God is involved. How is it? How does that work? How is it that Joseph is married to an Egyptian? I don't know. The secret things belong to God, you know, but God is, uh, God is indeed at, at work. And sometimes conventional wisdom doesn't win the day. You know, uh, uh, and sometimes we're called upon to act in certain ways that we might say, well, I don't usually do that. But you never know how God is at work. The other thing is the brothers. I think oftentimes we see ourselves like the brothers more than we see ourselves like Joseph. Guilty, carrying it around with us you know, for years and years and years, uh, and waiting uh, for the other shoe to drop at some point, uh, you know. Uh, so it's interesting. I just want to read something in First Timothy chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 12. Paul is writing to Timothy. He's, uh, Timothy. he's the mentor to Timothy, and he says this, I thank Messiah Yeshua, our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. "'Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor "'and a violent aggressor, and yet I was shown mercy "'because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, "'and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant "'with the faith and love which are found in Messiah Yeshua. "'It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance "'that Messiah Yeshua came into the world to save sinners, "'among whom I am foremost of all. "'And yet for this reason I found mercy.' in order that in me as the foremost, Yeshua, the Messiah, might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Wow. And so he's saying, look, see, this is where I was. This was the journey I was on. And in this journey, look what God did. And so we'll see this continue with the brothers. It's not done yet, right? Uh, There's a great uh, ending to this whole thing where they're still afraid. They're still afraid almost to the very, very end. Uh, but God is at work in their lives as well, helping them to understand what, faith, what the faithfulness of God really is, what forgiveness really is, uh, and, uh, and what grace and mercy really are. And so in many ways, we are indeed like those brothers. And so Joseph was on a journey. The brothers were on a journey and you know what's interesting? They end up in the same place, but they had very different journeys. And so it is for all of us. We all have a different story. We all have different journeys, okay? But the point is, we get here. We get here. And God uses every aspect of our journey, builds into us all the parts of our journey. Uh, even Paul, you know, uh, the greatest sinner, he calls himself, right? Right? That God used that experience to build into him to appreciate and understand and, under, and know the grace and mercy of God. So, whatever journey we may be on, we may be like a Reuben, we may be like a Judah, we may be like Simeon or Benjamin, we may be like Jacob, we may be like Joseph. Whatever that journey is, we all end up in the same place. Uh, you see, by the grace and mercy of God. And so that's what we see here, Uh, and uh, and next time, we'll see uh, what that means when they all end up in the same place. Uh, So let's uh, pause and pray. Lord, thank you, God, uh, for this uh, great story. Thank you, Lord, that Joseph testifies, Lord, that it's all about you, and in testifying that it's all about you, you place him uh, in a job, you place him in a situation in life, where he is able to glorify you by testifying of you and by doing the job. Thank you, Lord, that not only was he a great discerner of dreams and a great moral and ethical man of God, but he was a really good administrator too, uh, Lord. Uh, And he knew how to take care of the situation, uh, Lord. And thank you, God, for that. And uh, thank you, Lord, for the brothers Uh, Lord, that we can learn from them, for we're all guilty of something, and uh, Lord, uh, and I pray, Lord, that we would uh, know, God, your grace and mercy, for just as it it worked out in the end for those brothers, so uh, what we may have meant for evil in our lives, you mean for good, Lord, and that you redeem each and every life situation when we embrace you in, in, in the journey, Lord, and so thank you, God, that we read here about a number of different journeys, and they're now they're beginning to all come together and meet up in Egypt. And, uh oh Lord, so thank you. And I thank you, Lord, for everyone's journey that's here, and I thank you that everyone's journey has brought them to this place, including me, uh, oh Lord. And with with uh, whatever, uh, whatever comes from that journey and whatever gifts and talents we have, Lord, and whatever that journey is. Thank you that we're here uh, for such a time as this. Lord, may we be a light in our community. Lord, may we realize that you've built into us varieties of experiences so that we can make a difference here in our community, in our inner community amongst one another, Lord, and uh, in the greater Jewish community and Columbus uh, community, Uh, Lord. And uh, thank you, God, that there's no such thing as a lost cause. The brothers were not a lost cause. Joseph was not a lost cause. And Jacob's life was not as bad as he thought. Uh, And so, uh, Lord, we thank you, uh, God, for all these great truths. And we pray and thank you for your faithfulness. In Messiah's name, amen.